Bom dia, boa tarde. Welcome to another episode of the PortugueseSoccer.com podcast. I'm your guest host, John Neves, back here again to talk about my favorite subject, your favorite subject, and that is, of course, Portuguese soccer, Portuguese football, whatever word you use in your part of the world. Episode 179, thank you for coming back. Well, here we are in the midst of preseason. Uh, most teams, or just about all, have begun medicals, training, some have even played um, preseason matches, which I'll tell you about in a minute. Uh, we've got a situation with João Felix. Uh, you know, what is his future? Uh, some of the Capas mentioned uh, maybe Benfica, but I'll give you more information on that. Uh, we got a big Sunday coming up for Portugal's under-19. Uh, they've already won the under-19 Euro, looking to do it again. They are going to be playing Italy on Sunday, 2000 hours Portugal time. And Of course, Portugal already beat up on Italy pretty good. I think the, the group score was 5-1. to one. Uh, In this much smaller under Euro 19, there really was no quarterfinals. Uh, two groups of four, top two advanced, played as semis, and now we have quickly the finals. So a very quick under 19 Euro taking place in uh, Malta. And, of course, Portugal uh, will be playing um, coming up this Sunday. Good luck uh, to them. We got some controversy in the Liga. Uh, with regards to teams such as Meritimu, Covia, and Cova uh, de Piedad Bisad, which tried to merge and uh, apparently weren't approved, um, they're basically going uh, to appeals and courts, tribunals, whatever you have, uh, to basically prove that some other teams that are staying up um, don't meet licensing requirements. It's a whole very complicated thing that I'll talk about in a few minutes, but that ugly part of the summer is rearing his head again. And I'll talk about my best Liga transfers, preseason results, and then also some updates on women's football. They are in New Zealand uh, getting ready uh, for the World Cup. So another action-packed episode uh, coming up here, episode 179. Now let me just start off first talking about João Felix and Uh, I've talked about Zhuang in the past on my uh, podcast, and one of the things that's different about Zhuang Felix compared to, let's say, Ruben Diaz when he went to City or Bruno, um, you know, when Bruno went to um, you know United um, or any of the other uh, transfers of some of the national team players, is that in many of those cases, especially these two that I just mentioned, it was in the fifty, sixty million dollar, uh, million euro range. Excuse me. Um, And João Felix, when he left a few years ago to go to Atletico, he went for double for $120 million, plus I think there was another six in financing costs uh, with the bank that Atletico had to pay for, if I recall correctly. And the reality is, is that you know, one could argue that Atletico Madrid hasn't necessarily played João Felix in the right way because he hasn't been able to blossom the type of player that they thought he was when he played for that Benfica one year and he came up and obviously he exploded. But unfortunately, it hasn't worked out. He apparently is trading, uh, training with the B team. Some video from one of the biggest uh, Spain media outlets showed a video of him after a workout kind of throwing his, uh, his uh, workout uh, training uh, shirt uh, on the ground. He was obviously pretty uh, disappointed. And the reality is, is you have a team in La Liga one of the big teams in La Liga that has spent all that money on him. And how they're going to recoup that money, I don't know, because there's nobody going to be spending at least 80, 90, or 100 million to buy him right now. They sent him out to Chelsea, and he did okay, but that's the problem. He did okay. 
Um, and now he's back in with Atletico with pretty much an uncertain future. There's been some newspaper reports with the Capas in Portugal that possibly he could maybe see a return, a welcome home back to uh, Benfica. Rui Costa came out and said, of course, just like any player that came up through the academy, they will always be welcomed at home. But João Felix is still property of Atletico Madrid. So if anything were to happen, it would probably happen maybe on the last day of the transfer deadline where maybe he does come to Benfica and looks to resuscitate his career. Maybe he comes back, scores 10 to 15 goals and gets back that um, that energy um, you know what? What you know? What everybody thought about him three years ago? Maybe he will regain that excitement, that hope that clubs want to see in a Portuguese player. Maybe he will, in fact, resuscitate his career. But right now, it's 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 pretty wide open. He's been linked with some clubs in the Premier League, um, but right now he is just basically training, and he's not a very happy person these days. And again, I warned about this. I think it was last summer. I said, if you're a regular follower, you may remember if you have a good memory. I'm obviously not at the moment, but I do remember talking about it last summer specifically. I can't remember exactly when. When you're sold for $126 million, the grace period, the amount of time that you have to show your stuff is just going to be smaller. You cannot expect to take a few years to develop. Everybody expects you to start um, pitching in right away and contributing goals, scoring goals, creating goals. Um, and to be the player that you're going to be. And right now, he has hit the first big crisis of his young career. He's still very young. He still has a chance to bounce back. But with all the money that's been spent on him, it's just not very easy to move him unless he goes on loan again. And even when he goes on loan, he's got to really, really do very well to convince some club that what they saw of him for a six months or a year is worth spending some significant money because Atletico is going to want to recoup that money. You know, nobody spends $126 million, um, whether they did it in parts or in whole, um, just to basically let a player walk away. Um, maybe that happens with players, $40, $50 million. That's part of doing business. Maybe you can sell that type of player for $15 or $20 million elsewhere and recoup some of your money like that but not for this amount. So it's very sad to see João in this situation. He's a fantastic player, big supporter of his brother. I believe he's, you know, he went to the under 19 euro to go see his brother uh, play. Uh, his brother's been doing very well over there. But uh, at the end of the day, unfortunately, João has reached a very tough point in his career. And it's because of the amount of money that's been spent on him that might limit him. Um, you know, he's going to go to club, maybe on loan to a big club, but again, will that club splash a lot of money on him? So a very tough situation with uh, João Felix. Uh, I would love to see him come back to Portugal. I think with him, Di Maria, Juricic, Cachu, Otamendi, Gonzalo Ramos, if he doesn't get sold, João Mario, David Neres. you got a great manager like Roger Schmidt. I think if you're Benfica, you've got to feel like if you were able to somehow find a way to get him back to Seychelles, that that would be pretty, pretty good uh, for Portuguese uh, for a Portuguese team. So we'll see what happens. But moving on, and of course, like I said, preseason is in full swing. Benfica is in England. Uh, very interesting, by the way, one of the things that I've noticed, uh, and I kind of understood it last year because we were still sort of a little bit in the midst of uh, COVID and things like that, and travel was strong, but not very strong. But the only club that I think so far is leaving outside of Portugal, and of course that would be Benfica there in England, 
they're training at uh, St. George's Park, uh, the FA uh, facility. Uh, but Mafika is in England training. And uh, my understanding, unless I read wrong, I think Sporting is doing their whole preseason in Portugal. Porto is pretty much the same. And usually these teams would go, I remember Porto used to go, if I remember correctly, used to go to uh, Switzerland or Austria. Um, we've even had some Portuguese teams, and they haven't done it since, I think, 2019, that sometimes will come over to the States. Um, if you remember back in 2019, that one night in New York where you had Sporting versus Liverpool in uh, the uh, new Yankee Stadium. And meanwhile, across the river at Red Bull Stadium, you had Benfica playing uh, Fiorentina. And all this was happening in one night in New York. Um, and since then, there just hasn't been. So it's been a different preseason in terms of the fact that a lot of the clubs have been staying closer to home. And, and that could be a matter of finances. But Benfica trying not to change anything of the success story last year where they did go to England and that kind of started their season off on a good note. They're repeating it again this year. And obviously if it's not broke, why, you know, if it's, if it's not broken, why fix it? And that's what they're doing, kind of repeating things all over. And they are going, I believe, playing a match in Holland as well as in um, Switzerland. So Benfica is still doing it. But disappointing that none of these clubs, uh, another year is going to go by another summer and none of them are making plans to come to um, at least North America, you know, whether it be Toronto, Boston, or uh, New York. Uh, but it seems like since the uh, COVID pandemic, when a lot of the clubs obviously weren't doing a lot of uh, traveling to begin with, it seems like a lot of them are, are, are very comfortable being in Portugal, where there is a history of them sometimes playing and going abroad for estágio for at least uh, six or seven uh, days or sometimes uh, a week. But, and, uh, <clears throat> you know, it, like I said, it's still early. Sporting plays their first preseason match. Uh, the day this episode drops, um, Porto beat Academica 4-0. Braga's had some pretty good results. Of course, they are uh, kind of ahead of schedule ahead, uh, with other clubs because they're getting ready to play the Champions League, and they'll find out soon enough who their third preliminary round opponent is uh, coming up uh, really soon. But talking about the transfer window so far, um, been a lot of good moves so far by Portuguese clubs who are spending money. Uh, Braga has done pretty well. Bruma course one of their uh, I believe is their biggest buy in history over six and a half million now there are reports that they are going to be getting Rodrigo Salazar a uh, Shaka and Uruguayan midfielder usually a player in the Bundesliga doesn't go backwards to play for a club in Portugal um, but Braga with the opportunity to possibly be playing in the Champions League and the fact that they are obviously in a position to try to contend for a title I think um, if, you're, uh, if you're if you're this kid and, and obviously look He's seen how Ugart has worked out. He's seen how Darwin has worked out in Portugal. He's seen how that great goalkeeper from Vizela is doing. So at the end of the day, the formula of South America to Portugal to possibly a bigger destination in Europe is the plan that he's following. And obviously that's a plan that's worked out very well for a lot of Uruguayan players. But so far, Braga's already set a record for the most amount of money they spent, over $13 million. And this kid that they're going to be getting from Shaka. They're going to get for around $5 million, which makes him one of their top three buys of all time, along with the Abel Ruiz and Bruma. And by the way, what a tournament, under-21 tournament, Abel Ruiz had, although he did miss a penalty kick toward the end. But uh, he becomes, I believe, it's the third most expensive uh, buy in our club history. He's going to have a release clause of $50 million. Benfica, we know, big moves with Angel Di Maria bringing in that experience. Kochu, the most expensive player ever bought in the Liga, as well as Benfica, and of course Benfica this week also confirming their Grimaldo replacement at left back, uh, Juricic. 
so that is pretty much done. Uh, Porto, everybody knows, uh, been getting a lot of hype in Ojogo. Of course, they got Fran Navarro. I think Fran Navarro is going to make score 20 goals next year or close to it. And I think he's going to be a fantastic player. And uh, a lot of people wondering at Sporting why they did not go after Navarro. But uh, again, there was a deal last day of the transfer window back in January, early February, when reports said that he was going to go to Porto. And lo and behold, that's exactly what happened this summer. It didn't necessarily happen in the January uh, window. But uh, Porto looking really good getting a friend of ours. They'll be also being linked with a player named Alan Varela, a Boca Juniors midfielder. First report says that that has been a decline. Uh, Sporting finally makes the big move, getting the Sweden international Goyerks. Uh, a big time move, 20 million, the biggest that Sporting has ever played for a uh, transfer. And uh, if you remember last week in episode 178, I kept talking about this soap opera, this novella that just keeps going and going and going every day, every day. Well, it finally happened on Thursday, the day before I dropped this episode. He is finally property of uh, Sporting, getting a good Swedish international, good move by Sporting. And they're not done yet. Um, and I'll talk about some bad news with that coming up later in the Big 3 report. Ricardo Mangas, who went from Boa Vista to Vitoria Guimarães for a million. He's already hurt, unfortunately. He's got to go to get some serious surgery in uh, London. So some really bad luck for the youngster, Ricardo Mangas, and Vitoria Guimarães, who are getting ready to qualify for the Europa Conference League groups. Uh, other big moves in Portugal that I think stand out, Rafael Brito of Casapia, fantastic move, Zé Carlos for Gil Vicente is that also another good move. Those are, I think, the standout moves this summer. And there's a lot of quality here. Uh, there's been some money spent uh, compared to five, six years ago. And some of these moves, I think, have been uh, very, very good for these Portuguese clubs. Uh, moving on to controversy, I call it the tribunals. Um, Maritimo's president has said that they are basically appealing um, the... Um, uh, Estrela Madura, saying Estrela Madura and their side are not up to par and license. Um, it's a whole thing. I won't get into the particulars, but basically accusing them of not being fully licensed and ready for the first division and that they're going to complain about it. Uh, Maritimo, uh, the thinking is, is they think they will be in the first division. They're going to plan accordingly. But uh, that is just a big mess there with Estrela Madura, who, by the way, has been approved, from what I understand. And again, they were in the uh, sorteo for the Liga, the Liga schedule draw. And then you have the situation with Cuvilla. I believe they are contesting Les Chonges, saying Les Chonges doesn't have the uh, proper uh, budgets and you know all the things that you need to have to be licensed to be in the second division. They're debating that. They feel they're going to stay up. Uh, the other big thing's a bit complicated. And that's Cova de Piedad, BSAD. Uh, they were trying to merge. The merge apparently um, was not approved. And now some of these clubs haven't even been approved to compete in the third division. And BSAD, which for what, four or five years was competing in the first division, gets relegated to the second division. Then they were relegated to the third division. And now they may be, uh, they may be out of the dark here. Supposedly, if they do win the complaint that Vila Verdense did not, um, they feel that Villa Verdins is not properly licensed and are not have their paperwork in order to be in the second uh, division Villa Verdins. Uh, there was a point in time where there was a question mark about that, but at the end of the day, it was eventually approved by the Liga. Well, they're still contesting it, this Clave de Piedad Bisad, as I understand it. And it's funny, if, if I heard correctly, Bisad, although they're not going to be in the third uh, tier, they technically could still be in the second tier, otherwise they're going to drop down to the districts. And let me just say also, 
There's a lot of people that have a lot of hate on the club because of their controversy with original Bilinenses, which is competing in the second division. But I always like to say that, you know, what happens between the administration of the teams, that's one thing. But a lot of the players, the staff, these staffs have family. A lot of them are in limbo right now, wondering about their future, because if they go down to the districts, that means less revenue, and that means a lot of people are going to probably lose their job. Um, but a very unfortunate uh, situation. So we've got three situations in Portugal where clubs are contesting, saying that even though they were relegated, clubs that are in the first or second division do not have the proper licensing and budgets and paperwork to stay, and therefore they need to be replaced. And this could end up in the tribunals. It just just a very unfortunate thing that I think is very ugly uh, for Portuguese football. Uh, moving on, uh, the Liga has announced that the first two preliminary rounds of the League Cup, which do take place coming up here in about two weeks. Ticket prices will be between four and 12 euros. Tops, that's it. So again, if you happen to be in Portugal in late uh, July, you've got your kid, your family, or you're there with friends, whatever it may be, um, check out the newspapers. If, if there's one of these uh, preliminary cup games playing in your area, go check it out. Um, the food is not too expensive. You could probably send some of your best picks um, to uh, Tugong. I did uh, an interview with the gentleman that runs, one of the three gentlemen that runs that uh, website and that Twitter and Instagram account. Um, actually, you find them more on Instagram and, and especially uh, Twitter, I should say. Um, but uh, you, you can't beat going to see a soccer match for 4 to 12 euros and enjoying a really good food, so I encourage you to check it out. Uh, also on the uh, Liga, <clears throat> Boa Vista, their first preliminary round match against Leiria is going to be played behind closed doors. Apparently, they did not follow certain rules when it comes to closed-circuit TV for security, as I understand it. And therefore, their uh, first match against Leiria will be played behind uh, closed doors. And interesting situation with Familia Kong, Fama. Their under-19 team won the Junior League last year in Portugal. And guess what? They have been approved to go play in the UEFA Youth League. They will be the first team outside of Sporting Benfica in Porto that will be playing in the UEFA Youth League. And uh, they've got some good young players that some big clubs are looking at. This is a very, very big deal. Unlike the first division where sometimes the clubs in the fifth, sixth, seventh place uh, qualify for Europe, but then they turn over their squad during the summer. That doesn't necessarily happen with the juniors. A lot of those kids do come over. So this could be a very big move for Fama. They already made some big money off of sporting with Pote and Ugart, and now they're going to have one of their younger teams uh, playing um, uh, their uh, the junior team, their under-19, will be playing in the UEFA Youth League, the uh, Champions League of the under-19. So this is big news. Familia Kong is not a very big city in Portugal, and the fact that they've been able to do all this is just incredible. One of the beautiful things, I guess, about Portuguese football, when you do it right in terms of making the right decisions and it turns into big things, um, we're seeing some really good things with Familia Kong. And let me wrap up the first part here. Interesting uh, story with Clovis, uh, Andre Clovis, a striker for Academico do Vizel. He did not report to camp. He scored 27 goals last year for Academico Vizel. He was one of the big reasons why Academico Vizel, especially with the leadership of Jorge Costa before he left uh, for the last four or five matches of the season, which is still a mystery. But Clovis is sitting out camp. He wants to force a move. Um, this is a big striker. I'm surprised one of the first division clubs haven't come calling or one of the other leagues in uh, Europe. But keep an eye on Clovis uh, trying to force a uh, move. He did not show up for preseason. 27 goals in all competitions last year. A very, very big-time player. And that was part one of the PortugueseSoccer.com podcast. <laughs>
to the PortugueseSoccer.com podcast. Welcome back. Uh, first off, like I always do at the beginning of the uh, second part, I just want to say thank you for listening, whether it's for 10 minutes, whether it's for the whole episode. I get, uh, as I've always said, new followers every week. I did open up a Threads account, the new uh, social media app by Meta and Instagram. Uh, picked up already close to 500 followers last time I think I saw. It. I was kind of closing in on it, so give it a follow. It's under the Instagram of Portuguese underscore soccer underscore noticias, our partner. Uh, on Instagram and of course also Peace Soccer C O M on Twitter as well as uh, Facebook um, and obviously of course you've got PortugueseSoccer.com YouTube which is doing pretty well as well. Um, very happy with uh, trying to put some more effort into that. Um, and uh, as always, uh, if you're listening to this for the first time, you want to support this, give it a follow on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts. Podcast Static, it's on all the major platforms as well as the audio uh, being put on YouTube. For those that tend to be like me, a very big uh, YouTube guy with listening to music and, and things of that nature and podcasts. But let's get going here with part two. Let me just start quickly with regards to the VAR in Europe before I get through with the player abroad, manager abroad report, as well as the uh, big three in Braga. Uh, next year, there will be VAR in every single match in the Champions League. There will be VAR after the third preliminary round of the UEFA Europa League. And after the playoffs, so I guess we're talking group stage, the uh, Conference League, the Europa Conference League, will also have VAR. And the reason why I bring that up is because I think it's about time. Um, part of the reason why the smaller competitions are not starting the Champions League, um, in terms of the Champions League already having VAR and them not doing it for the other two competitions, probably because some of the really smaller team in Europe have stadiums that are not equipped for it, which is why I think maybe the preliminary rounds, they don't do it. But uh, this is very good news in Europe. Hopefully it will avoid um, bad decisions, correct bad decisions. Um, we, unfortunately, as Portuguese, have been on the uh, back end of a few disappointing results in Europe, as Porto. And as a result, we're just trying to, um, you know, uh, VAR can only help. So I just wanted to uh, quickly pass that along. But let's talk about player abroad report. Uh, Nani suffered a very serious knee injury. He is back uh, playing again, which is obviously always very good to see. He's going back to Turkey. He already played in Turkey. He's going back to play for Adana. Demispor. Somebody asked me and they said, you know, how come he's not playing, um, you know, in Portugal? Why didn't he just go back to Portugal? And... That's a good question. Um, money, some of it could be that he just has a much richer offer from this team in uh, Turkey. Um, sometimes players don't want to come back to Portugal. They feel like they just, you know, and if they do, they want to necessarily come back to one of the bigger clubs. Um, I think Nani, could he help out a Vizela, Vitoria, Guimarães, something like that? I could, I could see him helping them out, especially if they're trying to qualify. Uh, but we don't know Nani's 100% status yet. I mean, he's back. Um, obviously, if he's being signed, then he's good to go, but he still needs a little bit of time. But very happy to see that uh, Nani is back and going to be playing again. And uh, we saw also Cristiano Ronaldo uh, in Algarve with Dal Nassar, Luis Castro. And uh, he'll be playing in the Algarve Cup against Benfica and Celta Vigo. The Celta Vigo president, by the way, said that part of the contract uh, when they would go to play in the Algarve Cup is that when they would play Al Nassar, that Cristiano has to play. So uh, we got some matches that will be coming up soon in the Algarve Cup with Benfica and Celta Vigo and Cristiano and El Nassar uh, that will be worth seeing. And not to mention it will be the uh, one of the um, up opportunities, although I think they've already played. I think they beat Elverca 2-0, El Nassar, but Cristiano wasn't in that match. He was still uh, he still hadn't joined the team down in Algarve. 
But uh, very, uh, very um, big news. Cristiano is in Portugal with Al Nassar. Uh, also moving on, we saw Jose Mourinho has been suspended 10 matches. And in Mourinho's style, he was asked about it. He said, yeah, you're going to suspend me for 10 matches starting in August. You know what? August is hot. I'll be sitting up in the upstairs in the, the Tribune in air conditioning. I've got no problem with that. So, uh, yeah, he's been suspended. But, uh, you know, he basically makes them realize that. That's okay. I'll be in a much air-conditioned place. I'll be in a better spot. That is a true special one. Uh, remark: We saw Bruno Lage back into managing. He's back in Brazil. I think that's now seven total Portuguese. He's back managing Botafogo, uh, obviously replacing Luis Castro. So that's a very big move. We saw Paulo Bento confirmed at the United Arab Emirates. Again, he did a great job with uh, South Korea, and they're looking for him to do that in the United Arab Emirates. Uh, obviously, that part of the world, Saudi Arabia, Qatar, uh, Dubai, uh, obviously, that part of the world has been really, really spending a lot of money in the sport of football, soccer, and obviously they're trying to bring um, more talent, more managers into that region to develop that uh, football. Uh, we saw Bruno Pinheiro uh, basically just get hired with a club called Al Saad that's uh, based in uh, Dubai or Qatar. Uh, that's the club where Uribe went from uh, Porto. You might remember Bruno Pinheiro. He managed... Uh, I guess it was about two years ago he managed Estoril they got him off to a fantastic start I think at one point two years ago they were in fifth place and then rumors started to surface that he was getting interest from Turkish clubs and then after that the club was never the same and although they did manage to stay up and I think they finished middle of the pack uh, a lot of people wondered if that rumor of, of uh, going to Turkey hurt the club but Bruno Pinheiro is a good manager he's done a really good job he was managing the Olympic team um, I believe it was the Olympic team for Qatar United Arab Emirates. I apologize that I don't know that right now. But now he's uh, moving one step up and he's going to be managing a club, Al Saad. We saw Tobias Figueiredo, the former sporting product, who um, he, uh, he's been moved. He was uh, with, in England with Nottingham. Uh, he's going to Brazil and he'll be playing for Fortaleza. So we're seeing a lot of managers in Brazil. Now we're starting to see uh, some Portuguese players making their way there. Uh, other news this week, we saw Sporting, uh, former Sporting uh, goalkeeper, I believe it was, but uh, uh, João Virginia uh, basically uh, making the move to Everton uh, in terms of getting his contract, uh, getting a renewal extended for two more years. So João Virginia, young goalkeeper, uh, is going to be going, uh, staying with Everton for two more years, extending his contract. Um, he hasn't seen a whole lot of time. He's being groomed for the future, but he'll be staying in England, and I think this is a great uh, move uh, for him. But let's get going with the big three report in Braga. Let me start off with Braga. Braga, again, making a very big move, signing Rodrigo Salazar. We know that they already have, um, uh, they got Bruma officially buying him uh, from the loan. And obviously, Abel Ruiz is turning into a big prospect, had a fantastic under-21 and uh, him and Al Masrati um, are both hot commodities right now. So it'd be interesting to see with Braga and qualifying for the Champions League, are they going to sell an Abel Ruiz? Uh, will Abel Ruiz stay, knowing he might have a chance to play in the Champions League? Will Al Masrati stay, knowing he has a chance to play in the Champions League? I think qualifying is going to answer so many questions. Um, and that'll obviously be coming up soon. But Braga, again, spending money, trying to compete with the big clubs. And it'll be curious to see if they're going to make some really serious money with Ruiz or El Mizrati. But certainly spending some money already, getting a player from Shaka in this Uruguayan international is uh, certainly a big move for President Salvador, who's made it clear 
that he wants to win a Liga title in the next few years. He wants to compete with the big teams. And last year, Braga was a thorn on the side of Benfica, gave Porto a hard time, but then got beat up back-to-back 5-0 scores against Sporting. And Braga is, can compete, but they need to get a little bit uh, better. Uh, moving on to Sporting, obviously, finally the story is, as I mentioned, they signed the Swedish striker Goyerks. But uh, what was really sad, though, is that Jose Angel, the kid that Carmona, Jose Angel Carmona, who they were going to get from Seville, he even arrived in Portugal, went through his medical, and then reports surfaced that he failed his medical. Later, it was reported that he's not injured, but yet he failed his medical, and then he went back to Seville. Seville, Sevilla, even went as far as to show video of him arriving and training with the team to kind of prove that point. So a very, I don't know what's going to happen here because, number one, um, if the kid does not wind up getting an opportunity to go play for another club, will his representatives go after sporting and process them? Um, again, what is the report about him failing? I mean, obviously, look, he's not going to come to Portugal unless there was a deal. Uh, Sevilla's president, um, you know, so, you know, again, I don't want to get into it because sometimes the newspapers all report different things. But a very unfortunate situation for a very young player that could have come to Portugal and really helped out Sporting. So Sporting right now only has one signing so far, Goyerkers, and we'll see how far uh, they go because they've still got a few more to make. But right now Sporting's already spent $20 million. Remember a week ago they hadn't spent anything. So that's a very big move uh, for Sporting. Mafika again, went to England. Uh, uh, Schmidt brought all 31 players, uh, but Moratu wants out. Apparently, Fulham made an offer of 21 million that uh, Benfica rejected, and that surprised uh, Moratu. You know, this is a chance to go play in the Premier League. Why wouldn't you go? But Benfica obviously sees this kid as really a kid that could bring in 40 to 50 million in the future. But apparently, Moratu still wants out. Bear watching there. David Neres was suspended. Uh, basically for making some comments during the Benfica celebrations. He was kind of going at Pote and Octavio, who on social media said some stuff, and he said it, but someone caught it on social media, and he's been suspended for the uh, Super Cup against uh, Porto. Uh, he came back, though, against the next day against Southampton, and he scored one of the goals. Uh, I mean, kind of the press were also saying that, hey, they got Di Maria, but Neres is going to give make a battle because he's going to want to earn that spot and not let Di Maria just walk in. But David Neres has been suspended. And again, for the Super Cup, it's either August the 8th or the 9th, and it all depends on when Braga plays their Champions League qualifier. If they play Tuesday, the Super Cup will be that Wednesday the 9th. If Braga plays their Champions League qualifier in the 9th, then the Super Cup will be on the 8th in case you were wondering. Uh, Benfica, of course, confirmed Jurisic, uh, left back replacing Grimaldo. He says he could be more offensive. Benfica needs that from him because Grimaldo at times could score some pretty nice goals. And if he could come in and score goals like Grimaldo did, then I think Benfica probably won't miss a beat. And of course, Kochu, the Turkish player that they got, they're the most expensive transfer in both Benfica and, and uh, Portugal history. Uh, says that he could handle the pressure of having the label of being the most expensive uh, transfer. We shall see. Uh, Braz, the sports director, is in Brazil to try to get their goalkeeper, Bentu. He's the kid that I told you about that uh, his club, Atletico Pedernense, want to keep him for the Copa Libertadores until December. Uh, Benfica want him now. They want to bring him in right now so he can start competing with Vlaco Dimos for the goalkeeper position. And another move that didn't make a lot of attention, and that is uh, João Rezenge 
uh, Benfica youngster who won the UEFA Youth League a few years ago. Uh, he's going to be moving on to your own lady, uh, the second division, to try to get some more uh, playing time. Uh, Porto, uh, Otavio's agent, says that there is interest from uh, Inter and Juventus. Al Nassar apparently is willing to make some big offers for him as well. Al Nassar, I think, can't sign anybody right now because they owe a debt of close to, I guess, was it 460,000 euros to some other club because of a player? But that's expected to be cleared up soon. But Octavio is getting interest. Uh, I believe the deadline is Saturday. Otherwise, his release clause, if he, no one triggers it, goes up to 60. And his agent is working extra time talking to the media, trying to talk him up and force clubs to uh, pay that uh, release clause that Porto want, which right now is 40, but, could, but it will go up to 60, I believe, after this uh, weekend. Uh, Fernando Gomes, one of the administrators, you know, obviously it was discussed here that, uh, that Porto needed to sell at least 50 million to avoid financial fair play regulations, but uh, this administrator came out in the Ojogo and said that no, they have until uh, the end of January to figure things out. But that's uh, that's very big news because, um, you know, obviously Porto wants to buy some players this summer, but they also have to sell. And Diego Costa has been linked at times. I know it's not going to happen now to Manchester, who look like they're going to get another goalkeeper. But uh, the big one that they have is if they could sell Otavio or Diego Costa, they're going to probably solve uh, their problems. And again, I told you about Boca Juniors midfielder Alan Varela, First offer has been rejected by Boca Juniors, but Porto at some point I think will eventually get him. Uh, Portugal women uh, left for New Zealand to get ready for the World Cup. Uh, last Friday, the day I dropped the last episode, they played in front of a sold-out Bessa, over 20,000, uh, set the domestic record, beating Ukraine 2-0. Uh, Jessica Silva, fantastic uh, performance. And now they are in New Zealand getting ready. They play Holland uh, on the 23rd of July. Then they play Vietnam on the 27th. And then they play the United States on August uh, the 1st. All these matches are at around 8 o'clock in the morning Portugal time. That's about 3 o'clock in the morning in uh, North America. So uh, uh, wondering how many people are going to get up there early to see it. Uh, we uh, shall see. Other women's news. Uh, Braga goalkeeper Patricia Moraes has renewed until 2026. This is a very big move because she's an international. And for Braga, who's one of the big clubs in women's football, this is a very big deal. So I want to do that. And also, Women's Liga BPI schedule draws out. Uh, go check out their website, and uh, they'll get going coming up here. If I believe correctly, it's in the month of uh, September. So some very, very uh, big uh, news. Uh, I'm going to answer some... Um, I want to answer a quick question. Uh, I had a few people that asked me. Uh, I want to answer Christian Oliveira. He sent me a DM basically asking, will Gonzalo Ramos be sold this window? Right now, I would say no. I don't think Benfica needs to sell a lot more. But if somebody triggers, triggers the 80 million release clause, then there's really nothing that Benfica can do. And obviously, he's not going to decline an opportunity to go play for a Manchester United. But the amount of attention in the media, the amount of press about this hasn't really been a lot. So I don't think anything is going to happen right now. But again, I wouldn't be surprised if in the middle of August, uh, the news about Gonzalo Ramos getting interest from big clubs in Europe starts to heat up again. And who would heat it up? Of course, it's his agent. Because that's what they do. They, it's why that they have the capas, and that's why there's all the rumors. It all starts with them. I wouldn't be surprised pretty soon if we start to hear more. If his agent starts to work the phones and starts talking uh, to the uh, to the press, 
and letting us know the uh, clues to, you know, are there any new clubs that are interesting at Salu uh, Ramos. Uh, no news on my club, Atletico Dujarcus of the fifth tier. Um, again, if you're a regular on this podcast, you know I talk about them a lot, but nothing much to talk about them this weekend. Again, they don't really get going until September. They're just waiting to see the players that get signed in the third or fourth tier because a lot of those players then eventually drop down and go looking for opportunities to play in the fifth tier. And I think that's what's happening with a lot of the clubs in the uh, fifth tier. Some of the players are already in town. You know, they work in the Padaria, they're cab drivers. I I've heard these things. These are the stories that I've heard. Um, but uh, that's the story with my, my team from the uh, fifth tier. Folks, that wraps up another episode. Previewing, reviewing, and talking about all the different topics going on in Portugal and abroad with Portuguese players and managers. And as always, I say this from the bottom of my heart. Thank you so much, obrigado, for listening. Again, whether it's for 10 minutes or for the whole thing, I really appreciate it. I appreciate your comments. And uh, if you have any, feel free to reach out to me with questions, and I will answer them in future episodes at the end of this uh, episode. That is when I'm going to start doing it. Anyway, folks, that wraps up episode 179, Time Flies, of the PortugueseSoccer.com football podcast. Uh, folks, please take care of yourselves. Please take care of your families. Enjoy your summer. And if you're in Portugal, enjoy yourselves. And I'll talk to you soon. Ciao, everybody.